Brother, I thank you for this morning, God. I just thank you, Father, that you are sovereign, Father. I thank you that we have the opportunity to come together this morning, God. I pray that it would be pleasing unto you. Father, I pray that there would be nothing that would hinder this morning, nothing that would stand in um, the way, Father, to for truth to go forth. Father, that we would respond in kind quickly, that we would be obedient, that there would be repentance. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us to be reconciled back to you, God. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Sing hallelujah, call me 
we thank you, Lord Jesus. Yet another day of life. This is the day that you have made, Father, and I pray that we would rejoice and be glad in it. Father, for truly there is a none like you, God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Father, that we can gather this morning and be encouraged, Father, through worship, through your word, Father. I pray, God, that we have a hunger and a thirst, God, for more of you, Lord Jesus. That we would know the ways of righteousness. God, that we will walk by faith and not by sight. God, that we will no longer be bound to the desires of our flesh. But God, that we would now be enslaved to righteousness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for truth, Father. We know that your word declares that it's the truth that sets us free. <clears throat> and he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Yes. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the body of Christ, Father. We thank you for the church, God. We thank you that you've called us together to encourage and to edify and to build each other up as iron sharpens iron. Father, you called us not to do this life alone, but in community. God, that the non-believers, God, would know that we will belong to you, that we belong to you by our love for one another. Oh God, grow us in love. Father, grow us in unity. Grow us in power, Father. That we may go forth in this darkened world, bearing your name and bearing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that others would come to know you, Father, and your kingdom would advance. For your kingdom's sake and for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Amen. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's living in God's power. God's power. Not in our own ability, not in our own understanding, but in God's power in and through us. We have become to an understanding that it's not I who is living, but it's Christ living in and through me. There's a new resident. The old has to go. The old mindsets, the old insecurities, the old desires, the oldness has to go. Because if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. A new creation. Your Christian life just can't be a lot of talk. And we've talked about this over the past month. The sad thing is that there's going to be people in hell... <laughs> who has the gospel on their lips, has truth on their lips, but nothing in their heart. No change, no transformation, just a religious person. How sad it is to know the love of God and yet not walk in its power, in His power. His power. You see, 
again, it's just not a lot of talk. It's just not trying to conjure up something. For what God has established, it's established. He's going to bring about His purpose and His plan. Since the beginning, even before the earth was formed, God's purpose and God's plan had been established. His plan of reconciliation, His plan of love, the gospel wasn't a, an afterthought. No, God always had purpose to have a people that they would call Him their God and He would call them His people. Love displayed for all creation to witness our Savior on the cross. No greater love than this will ever be displayed. Humanity saved a rebellious group of people who were in complete rebellion towards God's throne has an opportunity to be reconciled to Him. All for His sake. For His purpose. Like there is a war going on for your soul. And I've been encouraging us over the past month or so is that we cannot continue to allow the devil to teach us our theology. We don't want to learn about God from the enemy. He is a thief. He is a liar. He's a murderer. He's got nothing good to say. And we as believers need to be attuned to the Holy Spirit to be quick to take thoughts captive that are contrary to the Word of God. If you're not doing that in your life, then, you're, then the gospel in which you have believed in is just a lot of words. And in reality, it means nothing. See, if you are not walking and living the truth out and the power of the Holy Spirit, then all you have is words. And you may encourage yourself for a season, but that season's going to be short when life comes oppressing up against you. See, we've got to get to the place that we are in agreement with the one who has adopted us. That we bear his name, that we bear his image. And we recognize that in and of ourselves we wouldn't. We would be a stiff-armed people towards him. But no, we have been, if you're sitting here today as a Christian, your eyes have been opened. You have accepted this free gift of salvation. You recognize you're just a filthy sinner. And you say, God, and you're saved by your confession and your belief. Nothing else. Not by works, not by anything else. Your works don't save you, but, your, but works are a byproduct of your salvation. You can't declare that you're saved and remain the same. 
See, that's the devil teaching you. That's the devil teaching you, giving you the right to live however you want and still declare that you're saved. Twisting scripture, twisting truth to keep you in bondage. But I love the song that we had that was sung over us and the words that were pronounced over us. The enemy can't take what we have or change who we are because we belong to him. And we've got to stop living as if the enemy is greater than our God. He's not. God is great and God is good. If we would just believe in whom the one who has set us free and trust the fact that he's begun this in us and he is faithful to complete it, that he knows the plans that he has for us, that he is leading us on the path that he has directed for our lives and that we will grow up daily Daily, hungering and thirsting for more of Him. For more of Him. In a day and age when the deception is running amok, (laughs) and millions and billions of people are falling enslaved to deception, we as believers need to be the truth. (laughs) Because we are connected to the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Jesus. Jesus. And we can't keep claiming him and living against him. We just can't be a people of a lot of words telling others they ought to know Jesus and then not seeing any Jesus in us. Like we've got to be Serious, you all. Like we cannot live without a fear of God. Like do we recognize we're going to be held accountable by what we know, how we lived, and who we cause to stumble because of our ignorance. (laughs) We're held accountable for what we believe. Like God has revealed himself and yet we come alongside and we let the enemy pervert truth and then we just go our way. And God is not pleased in chaos. He brings order. He brings order. And no, we're not perfected until we are with him. And so we're not striving to be perfect because we know that He is the only one that's perfect. But while we are waiting for His return, we are to be growing. So you don't put the pressure on you to be perfect because He's already taken the beatings, the mockery, being nailed to the cross. And he's already came out victorious from the tomb. 
He is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. The Bible says we're not lacking in anything in living a godly life. So the next time you acting are acting ugly and living like one who doesn't know him, you better ask yourself quickly, Lord, I need to feel conviction. Because if you're going on and on with your life and you don't have any conviction or you've grown hard to the conviction, something's wrong. Because as soon as we act in our old nature, we should sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, not that way, not that fault, not that word, not that attitude. And you go, oh, that's right. I belong to you. I'm not going to beat myself up and play the weird game that we all talked about before. And we make it now, we make conviction more about us than about him. Like we got to get over ourselves. We're dead if you're a Christian. You've died to yourself. You're not to be living. Your ways are no longer your thoughts or your desires. Your ways are his. That's why it's important that you're growing and you're getting to know him. The devil is working overtime. I saw this little, I guess you call them memes, on social media. It says, you know, we are to pray without ceasing because the devil is praying without ceasing. And praying being P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. <laughs> praying on his victims. Ceasing whom he may devour. How's your prayer life, you all? For others, for yourself. Like he is. He's working overtime. But the church isn't supposed to be sitting back quietly. The church isn't supposed to be cowered off in the corner or locked behind the doors. No, the church is to be living. We belong to him. We're not afraid of darkness. And we don't hate the lost. We love our Father. And we too recognize that we once were there. And if it wasn't but for his grace, we would still be enslaved there. So we should have a desire to see the captives free. It's sad today when we see people buying into the lie of the enemy. And I've been thinking about this the past day or so. That people are still waiting for the deliverer. People are still waiting for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for the promised one to free them from bondage. They're still waiting for the infant to be born. 
Jesus, you all, has already came. The captives have been set free. He's already exposed the enemy and dragged them out. (laughs) The Messiah has already came. People are now liberated because he has completed what he was purposed to do. And so now we are to go forth as his messengers. Jesus came. You see, there was one who came. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And today you can receive him. You can be set free. The message of freedom. The message of hope. The message of God's love. He's came. He accomplished all that he was purposed to do. To do the will of the Father. And now... We are waiting for His return. Not to deliver us, but to gather us up and take us home. See, that's the hope that we're living for. That's the hope that we're living for. That's the hope that we're looking up towards and we're saying, come Lord Jesus, Come, gather us up to your kingdom. But until then, we are to live as free people, and people should be influenced by the freedom that you're portraying. And it's not an act. It's just who you are. You're just living differently. You're just talking differently. You're just thinking differently. You're going about your day living unto Christ. Because the Messiah has came. We're not groaning and crying out for the Messiah. No, we are now as Christians groaning and crying out for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to come and to gather us. But until that day, find us faithful, Lord, serving as you served, to go to the captives and not talk about a coming freedom, the coming Messiah. No, talk about the one who came, the one who has conquered sin and death. Encourage yourself daily in that. Because it shifts your thinking like he's come. He has dwelt among us. He has walked this earth. He has called men and women to himself. And he has sent them out to be about the Father's business.
But the enemy will love nothing more than to keep people ignorant. As if what Jesus did wasn't enough. Keep people enslaved to the old man, to the old woman. There's no hope found in that. There's no hope found in him. Oh, church isn't really going to do anything for you. We listen to the lies of the enemy. Stripping down, watering down the gospel. And we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Because the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. <laughs> but it's living in and through the power of God. Like, do you encourage yourself daily in that? In that truth? That our Savior, our blessed hope, the Messiah, the one whom for generations and generations and generations and generations and generations have cried out for and believed upon, like he's already came. Like the fulfillment of all the prophecies, the longing for the presence of God is here and now. It's here and now. The hope that we have as Christians. Yes, Lord. We receive it. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our hearts. We have been adopted and engrafted into your family. We have been purchased by your blood. We have been washed cleaned. Oh, that hope would arise, you all. And that we would believe. And in that belief, we would live with a renewed mind. Because how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. Like, it's just who you are now. When the old man or the old woman comes in, you remind your old self, you're dead. You have no power or authority in my life any longer because I've surrendered. I am that living sacrifice on the altar. And I'm not getting up off of it. I'm not getting up off of it. Because I belong to Him. Holy Spirit, have your way. Silence the enemy and silence the flesh. Remind me that I have crucified myself to your cross. And that the world is no longer where I'm putting my attention to and its interest in me is done with. Like you've got to remind yourself daily. You've got to remind yourself daily. You're in a war. You're in a war. 
Your battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's with rulers and principalities in the air and the darkness. And in and of yourself, you can't fight that. (laughs) But in Him, you abide in Him, in His victory. And you remind those forces that come against you, not of your power, not of your strength, but in the one who has already came. Like you're not deceiving me in hopes that he would come. Oh, Jesus, where are you? Jesus. No, no, no. Be bold with your confession. No, he's already came. He's victorious. You see, you're a liar. You're a deceiver. I am not a child of darkness any longer. I once ran by your words. But they don't define me anymore. You have no access to my will or to my mind. I am a child of God. And I may not know the fullness of everything in this word. But I know him. And I know that he is for me and not against me. Because if he loved me enough to reveal himself to me, then he loves me enough to keep me. See, you've got to start talking. You're fighting with the wrong things. You're fighting with people. You're allowing the enemy just to run rampant with your mind. Instead of confessing truth and speaking back truth. Oh, the battle's intentional. Let's not make any mistake about it. The battle is intense. There'll be days where you just feel darkness all around and you don't see the hope of light. But stay on your face declaring God's truth. Stay on your face. Stay on your knees. (laughs) The truth should be your confession. You can't have my mind. You can't have my will. Because I belong to Jesus. And that's all you say. Say that. (laughs) I told you before, there were days I spent in a corner, balled up like a baby. And all I had was the name of Jesus. I didn't know word. (laughs) I didn't know much truth. But I knew Jesus. <laughs> and when the enemy came to rake over my mind, <laughs> I had to, all I had was the name of Jesus. And sometimes that's all you have. But you got to push back and fight with what you have. Your defeat is your own doing. And maybe that's hard for some to hear, but I'm telling you, until that truth became truth to me, Like, what? Like me barely getting up from that corner, curled up like a baby, was my doing, and all along I was thinking it was the devil's. But if I'm a Christian, the devil has no right. He can't undo what God has done. All he can do is try to get you to be in agreement with him. And as long as you're in agreement with him, you'll remain defeated. But it's by your choosing. It's by your doing. 
And I'm here to tell us today, no, no more. Like we've got to fight. But not in and of ourselves, y'all, in the power of God. That's why we've been given the body of Christ. And if you don't think the enemy wants to come in and strip us apart, bringing all sorts of craziness, divisiveness, all talks and all this craziness, don't think he's just going to step away. He's out for your souls. He's out to destroy you. But he can't. He can't destroy you. He can't destroy the church. No matter how loud he roars. <laughs> Roar back. With truth. Flee from sin. Throw it off. Expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. Bring everything into light. Let victory rise up within you. And shout unto God. I mean, come on. Let's remind him. No, Jesus has come already. We're not waiting for his victory. He's already won. And you have but a short time left. And when I see you screaming at me, <laughs> roaring after my loved ones, roaring after the nations, I know your time is up soon. So I will stand as a watchman on the wall. And I will pray. And I will live my life daily in the power of God. Bearing his image and his name so that other captives will be set free. I will love them. I will serve them. You see, we have to have a kingdom mindset. We can't go about battle <laughs> with the world's mindset. Because everything of the kingdom is opposite of what happens in the world. Jesus came to serve you all. And we can't think we're greater than him. If that's how he came, that's how we go. I mean, last week we picked up in Leviticus. And we witnessed as we were reading the words... God establishing these offerings, these, these, the way of sacrifice. And everything that he was setting up was bringing them into an act of worship and holiness. And it's going to be a challenging book for some to get through. But let's get through it and let's be encouraged by it. Because if God set it up there, there was a purpose for it. Because he accomplished it over here with Jesus. And just as it was required here, so it's required here in the new covenant. Now, thank God we don't have to bring the animals to sacrifice. Thank God we don't have to do all that they did. But we have to look upon the one 
who fulfilled all of that. And now we come joyfully to worship our God. To daily sacrifice our lives on the altar. That we are the living sacrifice. That we are a people set apart. Because remember when we opened up the book of Leviticus, that's what he was doing with the Israelites. He was training them. He was showing them the way of holiness. To be set apart. To live as a holy nation unto God among the wicked nations of the world. To live as upright in a crooked and perverse generation. See, that's what God has purposed for his people from the beginning. From the beginning. He doesn't call us out of the world. He pushes us into it. As his people. To be different. To be strange among them. To glorify him. To honor him. That people would see God and not us. That all that we say and do honor Him. That we live set apart for Him, but among them. And how do we do that? Through being a living sacrifice. And worshiping our God with gratefulness, remaining humble, feasting of all that He has prepared for us, allowing Him to quench our thirst, allowing Him to prepare us because God, in and of myself, I can't, but you can. God, there's no pressure on me to live right. No, I have to be dependent upon you to bring about what you've already accomplished. That's why we're not pressured to do good, to be the right Christian, to follow all of these rules and these laws that man has tried by the deception of the enemy to lay upon the church and to burden her. No, your Christian life is not to be a burden. Your Christian life is not striving for perfection. Your Christian life is to be lived in the power of God, dependent upon Him, because Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me, remain in me, Bear fruit, much fruit, because you're connected to the source. Like he's alive, you all. He's alive. He's alive. His kingdom is established. It has been established. (laughs) His purposes are right and just. And now that our eyes have been open, we live differently. 
I mean, just think about who you were. You should see a difference. If not, don't beat yourself up and play the weird game, but just get right with God. I mean, when I think of the man that I used to be, like, oh, God. Only Jesus, only Jesus can take us and transform us by his power and by his greatness and his goodness. Daily, that's where you focus yourselves, you all. Listen, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be a good cheer. And we must start encouraging ourselves in that. Like, God, we want to live for you. We want to honor you. We want to go as you went. <laughs> and today we're opening up the book of Mark again. And it's been a while since we went into Mark, so I want to do a quick introduction of Mark. But we're heading to Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And we're going to read Mark chapter 1, verse 29, through chapter 2, verse 12. But before we do that, again, I want to encourage us, and as we're opening up the books of the Bible, to have an understanding of them. And so, here we go. So again, these commentaries are taken from the Discover God Study Bible by Bill Bright. So what's the purpose of this book? It is to introduce Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, who came into our world to serve, listen, those in need. Jesus. You know, years ago when I did a lesson and I did a series on leadership, I encourage those who had a desire to lead to serve. The greatest leader was the greatest servant. I want us to pay attention closely as we're going through the book of Mark and we see our Savior who has stooped down to serve others. He came to save them. And how was he going to save them? By serving them. Listen to that. If God came to earth, what would he do? We discover the answer in Mark's gospel. He came to serve. So how are we going to discover God in this book? Alright, so Mark introduces us to Jesus by telling us what he did. His focus is on Jesus' action through which we can discover the character of God as revealed in Jesus. The first one is as a servant. Mark shows clearly how God in Jesus came to serve. And repeatedly, repeatedly, Mark relates accounts of Jesus' ministry to the needs of others, whether their need was spiritual, emotional, or material. And we also will see power. Mark highlights the power that flowed through the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus is one who served in power, whether by teaching with power that amazed, 
delivering those who were oppressed by demons, exercising control over nature, or meeting other specific needs. But this display of power was not like fireworks in the sky or a roaring of a storm. In each occasion, when Jesus' Jesus evidenced the power of God, it was power leveraged in serving. Jesus explained this principle when talking about those who would wield the power of the world. They used their power for selfish ends, but it wasn't to be that way for him or for those who choose to follow him. Remember, the world, the lost, they're selfish. Before you came to Christ, you were selfish. And it just came natural to your nature. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. That nature which all of us are born into is just who we are. Selfish. But as we are Christians, we have been born again. If you've accepted Jesus, you have died to self. And now you're trusting in Jesus. Remember I told you his kingdom is opposite of the ways of the world. So Jesus didn't come to force people to follow him. No, he came to serve. Rather they followed him or not. Because he already knew the hearts of men and women Not everybody was going to receive him as Lord. Do you realize as you're going through the gospel, the only people that Jesus was really direct with and really dealt with harshly was the religious people. People who said they were of God, they just held a form of religion. Remember, they were a lot of talk, but there was no power in their lives. He called them out. He told them, your father's the devil. You travel far to go win converts, and you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. You always see him interact with religious people in a very direct and harsh way. But for the lost, he served. And when they told him to get out of their city, he left. He didn't call down fire from heaven. He could have. Oh, you want me to go? Oh, he could have burned them all up. He could have displayed power that would have, I mean, good Lord knows. But he chose the form of a servant to make known the love of the Father. You see, that's what kingdom people do. We make known the love of the Father by serving. By not thinking of ourselves. Because remember, remember, remember what the church is supposed to be? A group of people who think others are more important than themselves. That's how you're supposed to be living. You say, oh, but that's hard. Oh, yeah, in and of yourself it is. But remind yourself if you're a Christian, I belong to Jesus. Remind yourself, it's not about you today, Rob. 
It's not about your desires, your wants, your selfishness. No. Like, I'm about my father's business. I must think of others before I think of myself. How can I serve? We are to be outdoing each other, serving each other. And if it's not going on, then I can tell you, you're not doing it out there. You're just a lot of words to people. And how sad. Because when people look at Christians who just fill just a lot of words, they see no power and they desire no God. And Jesus understood the human nature. Serve. Serve. And that's how we're going to discover God in the book of Mark. Like his character. And how he came. So the next time you're in conversation or you're among the lost, remember that. You're hollering at them. You're screaming at them to come to Jesus. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're saying this. You're saying that. There's a lot of talk. When's the last time you served them? When's the last time you said, you know what, I'll go through it with you. No matter how you treat me. No matter if you spit on me. No matter if you curse me. No matter if you do this. No matter if you beat me. (laughs) I'm going to serve you. Now, as soon as they tell you to get away from them, (laughs) you get away. You respect them. Jesus left when he was told to leave. If they don't want it, Don't you sit there and take the abuse. And don't you sit there and then become this weirdness with them. No. If there's not even an opening yet, then you've done what you need to do. You've sown the seed. You move on. Some of us are wasting too much time on too many people who do not want Jesus right now. So you just sow the seed and you move on. You just sow the seed and you move on. But as soon as you see an interest, as soon as you see, because you remember the day when you gave your life to Jesus, your Christian life didn't come easy to you. Hell rears up its ugly head. The flesh rears itself up. The world is streaming at you. (laughs) And you need the strength and the power of God and of the body of Christ around you to walk with you. To see you through. And that's what we do. Because that's what God did. Remember when Jesus had all those people following him. And then he got down to the truth. Of the spiritual truth of why he came and who he is. Remember their response. Well, this is too hard. Ah, okay. The show's over. Come on, just do another miracle, Jesus. Just feed us. Just do for us. Do for us. He knew their heart. He knew that they were just thousands and thousands and thousands of people were following him. But he knew good and well. Their desire was not for him, but for what he can do. 
And he finally had to get to the place because the cross, remember his purpose was the cross. He knew the cross was right there. He was closer to it. And he knew he couldn't lead this throng of people to the cross if they remained ignorant to truly who he was. And isn't that the same in our generation? We just can't keep leading people to the cross and they don't know Jesus. It's, it, it's foolishness. Jesus laid out the understanding of who he was. And they all left. They all left. They sat around him. They were among him. They listened to the teachings. They saw his miracles. They were astonished. Who is this man? And as soon as he really revealed himself, they left. And do you remember? Only the twelve remained. (laughs) And he said to them, Are you leaving too? Remember their words, Where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. Where can we go? And that should be our declaration. Where can we go, God? I'm not leaving you. Like, you hold the words to eternal life. Like, you've revealed yourself to me. You were pleased to reveal yourself to me through Jesus. What is behind me that's going to attract me to turn from that revelation of truth that has delivered me, that has set me free, that has given me the hope of eternal life? What on earth back there is worth it? No. See, when you have a clear picture of who Jesus is and his love for you, You can't help but surrender. So going through Mark. Followers of Jesus today can learn from Mark how Jesus served and trained his followers. The call. Jesus was not aloof, a far-off leader merely dictating to his followers what needed to be done. No, no, no. He invited his followers to walk with him so that he could then send them to serve others in a similar fashion. Although Jesus did have a more intimate relationship with the twelve, he invited all who heard his voice to a life of discipleship and ministry. And as Jesus' followers go out into the known world, he continues to affirm this call, working alongside all those who believe. And then the task. Jesus' training did not come in a lecture format only. Some of his more powerful teaching came through the assignments he gave his followers. For example, when Jesus called his followers to feed the multitude, his disciples were supposed to learn something from the experience. They were to learn by doing, not merely by listening. Ultimately, his call to them and all who would follow is not merely to learn about what it means to follow him, but to actively carry that out. Remember, we're not just to be hearers of the word, we need to be doers of the word. If we're just hearers of the word, then all we all is a, all we all, all is a lot of talk. We're just a religious person. But when you truly live it, when you truly experience the fullness of who Christ is, it doesn't matter what's pressing up against you. When you squeeze an orange, do you get grape juice? No. 
When you squeeze an apple, you don't get grapefruit. You get what is inside. And so it is in your life. When you are squeezed, when you are pressed up against, what's coming out? The old man or the new? should be the new. And when you see the old, don't beat yourself up. You go, oh, keep squeezing, because I want all of him out of me. God, forgive me for acting and responding the way I just did. I shouldn't have thought that way. I shouldn't have acted that way. God, forgive me. Oh, just keep squeezing, Lord, until what flows from me is all of you. (laughs) Realize you're going to have trials in this life. But they're there to produce something within a Christian. They're there to make you better. A better servant. A better follower. Better. Because they're there to produce in you perseverance and perseverance character. And character leads to hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Press up against me all you want. I just want Jesus to be revealed. Has that been your de- declaration in trials? It ought to be. Listen, Christians die, you all. <laughs> they die. Our goal is not to live forever on this earth. But we're not to be afraid of death. We're not to be enslaved to fear. We're not to be anxious. And from a man who used to be enslaved to fear of dying, and a man whose mind used to be raped with anxiety and panic, a man who was just always bound by depression, it's easy in of myself to go back there. But when you're pressed up against, you say, Oh God, ha! Ah! <laughs> Why am I afraid? When I am of the kingdom of God, what can mere man do to me? The enemy has no hold on me. I'm not living to please man. God, I'm just serving you. And I can trust the fact that you will move in power and might to establish me for as long as you have me here. Because I'm just a living sacrifice. I'm dead to this world already. So until I take my last breath, use this body to accomplish your will. See, you're living differently. You're thinking differently. No matter what your age is, if you're trusting in Jesus, you already realize he's already victorious. He's already won. He's alive. All power, all glory, all honor is due to Him. And that's all that we declare by the way we live. The model of servanthood is at the heart of Jesus' kingdom. He taught about it and invited His disciples to embrace such a lifestyle. He offered His own life as an example of servanthood. See, He will never call you to something that He Himself didn't already do. That's why I love the fact when Jesus has come, follow me. We're not following a God who doesn't understand our rebellion and our weakness. 
But we have to remember, in his understanding of that, he has freed us from it through his death and resurrection. So he can say, Rob, come this way. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Think this way. And he's not doing it in a forceful manner. He's doing it with a loving and loving kindness towards you. Like, I'm keeping you in this world, but you're to be about my business. So learn of me. Because you're in a battle. And you now belong to me. You're of the kingdom of light that takes over the kingdom of darkness. So every step you take, I'm going to give to you, but it's going to be for my glory and for my kingdom. So walk in light. Walk in truth. Walk in love. Walk in power. And serve. Come on, man. So who was this book written to? Well, first, let me back up. Who's the author? His name is Mark. Mark was related to Barnabas, which we'll learn about if you don't know him later on. He was the missionary and a companion of Paul. That's who Barnabas was. Mark clearly enjoyed a close friendship with Peter. The words of the great apostle Peter are what flavored or what flavors Mark's gospel. And then who did Mark write this to? Remember, it's important when you open up the word to know, yes, it's going to impact your life today and tomorrow and the generations to come, but who was it specifically written for? Mark wrote this gospel from the teachings of Peter while Peter was in Rome. Mark was writing a, for a non-Jewish population within the Roman Empire. So Mark didn't have to go through, as we read in Matthew, you know, all the Jewish traditions and trying to encourage Jews to believe in Jesus. No, his audience was of the Gentiles. Of people who, who weren't Jewish. People who were set out but God was bringing in. Remember what I said earlier. Just because in the beginning God selected the Jewish nation, the Israel, to be his. Remember, God's purpose has always been the nations. God's power displayed. And then finally, the outline of Mark. So from Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus' ministry of serving. From Mark chapter 8 to Mark 10, we're going to see Jesus' teaching about serving. From Mark chapter 11 to Mark 15, we're going to see Jesus' life given as a ransom for others. And then Mark 16 through 20, we're going to end it by seeing the ministry of service extended to his followers. The book of Mark, you all. Let's get in at Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And I hope you're encouraged today. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. 
So Mark chapter 1, verse 29. What a beautiful picture. Maybe you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Look at Jesus, you all. This was God. He didn't say, I don't want to be bothered by this. And I love the fact we get this picture that they came and they told him. See, they already knew his character. They already realized that he would be concerned for this woman. He, he's not a God that is so far away from us that he doesn't interact with us. No, he cares, and they knew that. So they came and they told him. And he went to her. He, look at this picture, took her by the hand. He lifted and helped her sit up. And in just the process of serving her, in just the process of, of meeting her right where she's at, she was healed. That evening after sunset, verse 32, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But look at this. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. And I know we all like to engage. <laughs> and the supernatural, the flesh is drawn to it. But we must remember that Jesus is Lord over it. <laughs> There's times where demons spoke, but they didn't speak out of turn or out of order. He allowed them. But in this instance, he held their mouth shut. Don't, don't, don't play Jesus as this weak-willed God who just wants to be intrusive into your life. <laughs> like, leave me alone, God. No, no, he wants you to love him as he has loved you. <laughs> but you better see him for the fullness of who he is <laughs> and live accordingly. I mean, look at what was going on in this town. He, they're the sick people. People were bringing the sick people. People were bringing the demon-possessed people. And Jesus was healing them and serving them one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place, look at this, to pray. Jesus prayed. How many of you get up and just run through your day? Listen, remember this is a new way of living. You have to be cultivating this new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, teach me to pray, Lord. There's power in prayer. Like, God, you are almighty. You've come and, and you said that we can do greater things than you did. God, I want faith to believe. That your kingdom come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That I'm not living for myself. I'm not living to be acknowledged by man. But God, I'm living for you. And God, I want your kingdom to come. If Jesus 
understood the necessity of prayer. <laughs> Don't you think you should? To commune with the Father. Later, Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, look at this, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Notice, he didn't just stay in this town where now he's popular. Everybody's bringing the sick. Everyone's bringing the demon-possessed. What a great ministry. Look at what's taking place. Jesus like, no. I came to serve. I came to declare the good news. I came, remember his message was repentance. Turn to God. Repent of your sins. He didn't get caught up just because there was a lot of people around him. And we better be careful. Just because you have a lot of people around you doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. What are your motives? Jesus knows who he is. And it's about time as the church, if you're a Christian sitting here, you know who you are in Christ. In Christ. Because lacking that knowledge then all you have left is your insecurities. And so you're going to be moving off of your insecurities to have people like you and want you and care for you and need you. And those relationships end in nothing. End in nothing. Be about your father's business. And sometimes you're going to have to leave people behind you all. I can't say that enough. Sometimes you've got to move on to what God has called you to. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Verse 40. If you are willing, listen to what this leopard says, you can heal me, make me clean, he said. Such boldness from a man who has been set out. Because this is when you had leprosy, you weren't to be around anyone. You were put outside. You no longer saw your family. You no longer saw your friends. In fact, if you came close to anyone who wasn't a leopard, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So they knew to stay away from you. The touch of another you never felt. The love of another, another you never felt. You were a leopard. You didn't belong. And this man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. Begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me. Make me clean, he said. And how beautiful. I love this man's faith and I love his boldness. And I love the fact you don't see him squirming around in his insecure, insecure self. 
I, oh, Jesus, please. No, no. He was, he knew. He had heard of what was happening. His faith is what brought him to Jesus' feet. And look how Jesus responded. Moved with compassion, verse 41 says. Jesus reached out, look at this, and touched him. I am willing, be healed. Jesus touched him. When a man in his condition, society banned him, Jesus touched him. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required to the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. And I don't know about you, but why would Jesus tell him to do and follow the law in order for it to be a public testimony? Have you ever thought about that or you just read through the words? See, I had to give thought to it, and I've always given thought to it. So then when I go into commentary and I'm reading through, like, what would be the explanation, Jesus? Why wouldn't you just want him to announce what you did for him? Remember, the establishment didn't believe in Jesus. And Jesus was just not concerned of this man's physical healing, but he was concerned about his relational and his emotional healing. He wanted him, a a full picture of restoration is being seen in the words of Jesus. Because the only way that man was going to be restored back to his family, back to society, is by following the law. Go let the priest declare the healing. So as a public testimony, you have been cleansed. Wow. But look, the man didn't listen. The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places But people from everywhere kept coming to him. The man did what all of us would do. Jesus touches your life. I got to tell. I got to tell. And he told. And people were moved. Not by that man. But who was the one who touched you and cleansed you? That's who we want. goes on. We're going in chapter 2, just for 12 verses. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Come on. 
Do you have friends like that? Who carry you to Jesus? Instead of just patting your head in the condition you're in? <laughs> oh, poor you, poor you, uh, poor you, poor you. Like true friends. Like you need Jesus. <laughs> like we got to get to Jesus. <laughs> and whatever it takes, we're going to get to Jesus. Like nothing is going to deter us. We're going to get to Jesus. If you don't have people like that around your life, something's wrong. Those are the friends in whom you seek out. Are you a friend that way? Are you a friend that will be willing to go against every obstacle to get another friend to Jesus? You ought to be. If not, then all you are is a lot of talk. And you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. You just have religion. Like these people... They had a desire to see their friend healed. And they heard of the man who was there in town who was able to heal. And they weren't deterred by the crowd. They weren't deterred by, there's no way in. We came all this way. They said, oh no, we'll get on the roof. And Jesus, don't forget what Jesus was doing. He was in the house preaching the word of God. And I'm sure as he's preaching, the stuff is falling down. You know, the roof is opening. And then all of a sudden, here's this mat being lowered down in front of him. And look, Jesus didn't say, get rid of them. He's interrupting my message. He didn't freak out. He said, my child, your sins are forgiven. And look what moved him to that point, seeing the faith of, of his friends. But look who's among the crowd, you all. The religious people. See, don't expect religious people to grasp hold of Jesus just because they sit in church. Oh, no. They're irritated by Jesus. But some of the teachers of the religious law were sitting there, thought to themselves, listen, what is he saying? This blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. You see, at the beginning, when the man was lowered down, your sins are forgiven. Such holiness came to him. But the physical aspect was still there. So Jesus says, oh, you want to see the fullness of my power? Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. These religious leaders didn't know what to do with Jesus, you all. <coughs> he bothered them. 
Because remember, these men who were the priests of the time, these men who were teaching people about God, was keeping them far away from God. They were making the people more dependent upon the church and more dependent upon the men of the church than they were the God of the church. Be careful of who you are allowing to teach you the things of God. Because you remember in the last days, the enemy is going to try his hardest to fool people. Miracles, signs, and wonders. A huge display going on and people are going to be drawn. Because you remember the enemy comes to do a counterfeit work of what God has already done. The enemy can't get ahead of God. That's why when the Antichrist is finally revealed in bodily form on this earth, and he stands in that place and he says, I am God. Well, you better not be ones who go after him. Because Christ has already came. The true Messiah. Remember what I told you earlier? There's a lot of people just waiting for the Messiah to come. He already came. What are you still doing in bondage? Jesus has already set the captives free. You see, if the enemy can deceive people into thinking that Jesus, the Messiah, the true God, hasn't came, and that's what people are longing for, when the Antichrist shows up, they fall for it. Oh, but don't be deceived. Jesus has already came, you all. And that's why we are to be living empowered by Jesus. The church is supposed to be living it, you all. You can't just keep coming to church. You just can't keep being around Jesus and not be touched by him. I mean, you can, but why would you? Why aren't you believing? Because he's doing everything in his power to reveal himself to you. The reality is, if you aren't in accepting Jesus and following him, you're still in love with yourself. Still in love with yourself. You love your bad attitudes. You love your bad thoughts. You love your badness when you do what you ought not to be doing. You love it. You love the bad people in the world, and you want to post yourself up, make everyone love you. Oh, well, there's a way to live. And you have Jesus on your mouth. And you have a knowledge of him. And you're going to end up in an eternal hell. Think about that. Listen, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. Jesus is alive. He loves you with an everlasting love. His desire is that you would follow him. And he will lead you. He will carry you. You are his. He will defend you. He will restore you completely. Amen. You won't lack for anything. You say, well, I feel like I'm lacking. I've got nothing. Well, that's because you're looking with your temporal eyes on their temporal life. That's here today and gone tomorrow. You're not to be living for the temporalness of this life. If that's what you're looking for, is the approval of man, like my statuses, like me, like me, like me, like me. 
Live for me, live for me, do for me. If you're looking for others to, to satisfy you or to, or to you know, give you whatever you need, then you're, then you're looking. Not at Jesus. <laughs> because that same desire and motivation that keeps making you crawl back to the filth is the same desire and motivation that should be leading you into righteousness. God, I need more of you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. God, you've called me out. I'm to be set apart for your use and your purpose. I don't belong here. I don't belong there. No, God, I belong with you. And God, I'm not moving because you're God. Change my heart and my mind. Renew me. Because I know you can. I know you can. I mean, for goodness sakes, if non-believers believe, then wouldn't it make sense for believers to have a greater faith than non-believers? I mean, these people were just showing up. And so you have to ask yourself, what is your motivation today to be here? That's between you and God. But I would hope your motivation is that, God, I need you. I need more of you. I need to be around your presence and with my church family to equip me for what's ahead of me for this week. I want to go out and be about your business and about your service. I want to learn to trust in you. I want to be discipled in you. I want to know who I am now because I know who I was. (laughs) But who am I now in Christ? And you have this desire and you have this hunger to put into practice what you're hearing and what you're learning. To kill off that old flesh. (laughs) And to live and walk in the Spirit. To trust in God. Go to Psalm chapter 35, verse 17 through 28. And then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. And then we'll finish. Psalm 35, verse 17. And next week, I'll do an introduction to Psalms. Even though we're in in it and and in the book, I'm just going to walk us back through an introduction just so that we can be refreshed in it. But Psalm 35, remember I've encouraged you about the book of Psalms. These are songs. This is everyday life, what these men are going through. And you think your life is rough. Open up the book of Psalms. But what is so important about when you're reading it? I tell you, if you're facing difficulty in your life now, just sit down, be still, and read the words of Psalms out loud. Listen to what these men were going through. No matter what they were facing, no matter what was going on, they may have declared their circumstances But watch how it shifts in these songs to point everything back to God. And as we've opened up this book, and as as we continue through this book, the encouragement is to look up, not look out. I have to remind myself. And again, remember your Christian world, just because you know it doesn't mean you know it. You have to live it. You have to put it in practice for it to become real. I mean, I've been walking 20-something years with the Lord. 
But I can't take for granted that I have the knowledge if I'm not implying it. So maybe you're just walking for the first year with the Lord. The same goes for you. Just because you may have a knowledge, it'll mean nothing if it's not being applied. The power is displayed and the power comes when you apply it. I had to remind myself sitting in the doctor's office on Friday. Look up. Look up. Because I can look out and I can be overwhelmed. But look up. When my body on Friday decided to shut itself down, I could have woke up Saturday defeated. I could have woke up and allowed my mind to think all these thoughts. But I said to you myself, Rob, look up. And some of you just need to do that. Some of you just need to take thoughts captive and say, you know what? Yes, I can't make sense of this. I, there's nothing I can do that can change this. But God. But God. And if you're a Christian, the power of God. And you get up. And you get up. Because you looked up. Listen, the days are going to get harder on this earth. Deception is running amok. The enemy is working overtime. But God is greater than all of that. Don't get caught up in all of that. Especially if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then what's keeping you from confessing and believing in Jesus Christ? Yourself. Not your mama, not your daddy, not this, not that. It's you. Remember, you love yourself so much. <laughs> and I would implore you, I would encourage you to come to Jesus, <laughs> believe upon Him, be baptized. Baptism is a symbol of dying. <laughs> and then coming up <laughs> in the newness of life, you're born again. You're freed now to live for Jesus. You're not burdened by the law or religion. No, you're freed. Look up. Psalm, psalm 35, verse 17. King David wrote this psalm. How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? How many of you have been there? God, my circumstances aren't changing. Nothing is working out. Oh, God. I love the transparency and the realness that you find in the book of Psalms. I love even when they're going through seasons of anxiety that they write about it. And if you have an issue with anxiety, the best thing to do is to write it out. <laughs> and then as you're writing it out, begin to allow the Holy Spirit to remind you what's truth that can stand against it. Because <laughs> we're an anxious mind. Trust me, because I battled anxiety. There's a mind focused on self. What if this happens? What if that happens? How is this? How is that? Oh my goodness. How and you're just so consumed. Your mind is trying to rob you of your very life. Write it out. 
expose it and say, oh no, you're not winning today. I'll tell you what the what ifs. I'll tell you the answer. Jesus. What about this? Jesus. What about this? Jesus. What about Jesus? Get it out. Expose it. How long, O oh Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. These people wanted David dead. They wanted him to fail. <laughs> then he says, Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who mind their own business. They shout, aha, aha, with our own eyes we saw him do it. Oh Lord, you know all about this. <laughs> do not stay silent. Do not abandon me now, oh Lord. Watch now how he begins to shift to look up. Wake up, rise to my defense, take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted, now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joys to those who come to my defense. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. Then I will proclaim your justice and I will praise you all day long. That's King David. But listen to his humble heart and his desire for God's justice. Oh, come on. Go to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. We've been learning a lot in Proverbs. It's been a while since we've been in there, but it's the book of wisdom. And if you need wisdom, you need to park yourself in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Spiritual insight to breathe life and to give you power to live out spiritual understanding. The book of Proverbs. Listen, you all, we need wisdom. Wisdom. Chapter 9, verse 13. The woman named Folly is brash. <laughs> she is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by, listen to this, who are minding their own business. And you say, well, what's the importance of that? They're not men looking for folly, looking for trouble, lusting, desiring for themselves, these are men who are just going about their day. Just living. 
they're not enticed. They're not looking. They're doing, if you would, quote unquote, what is right. They're loving their families. They're serving their families. They're hard workers. Look, they're just going about minding their own business. But folly, this foolish woman, has set herself up on the heights of the city. So let's get it down in our terms so we can understand it. The very things in our generations and the generations to come and have been around that set themselves up and they say, Hey, 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 you! Brandon, look at me. See? And look, he looked. That's what she does. It's those things that are raised up that says, Hey, Norma, over here. Hey, Anne, come this way. It's these images. It's this power, if you would. (laughs) That says, stop going that way. And look at me. It's these things that entices the flesh. TV, media, social media, gatherings of all sorts. Just go about your day. Do you realize how much your mind and your very soul is being bombarded? Look at me. Look at me. It's screaming. And when you look at me, I'm going to give you what you want. Here, take a bite. Take a drink. Take a puff. Lay down with me. You were just going about your day. And now all of a sudden, you're enslaved to perversion. Oh, you clicked on before you know it. There's porn. And you just can't get enough. I was reading and, and watching this, this ministry who, who helps people with porn and, and issues with perversion. And I'm listening to their testimony. And these are men who, who were just going their way. They, were, they had a good life at some point or some another. Or maybe they didn't. A lot of them have talked and they said, when I was growing up, I, I was in an abusive home, this, 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 that. But it doesn't matter wherever they came from. Once porn got a hold of their hearts, she destroyed them. She destroyed them. Oh, go ahead and take a puff. Go ahead and smoke it. Go ahead and snort it. Go ahead and drink it. Because come on. Don't be so tight. Just get in. And before you know it, you're an addict. And before you know it, you're passing it on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Maybe you're just a gossip or a backbiter. Maybe you complain. Maybe you run your mouth about people. Maybe you're just filled with such anger and, and distress and everything else in your life because she's captivated you. You have a right to react the way you react. You have a right to do whatever you want. I go, God help us. My heart breaks for the little child I posted about 
four months old. Her daddy shook her till she almost died and beat the hell out of her. What on earth set itself up in his life to say, take that baby and shut her up? What on earth set up in his life that would cause harm to a child? And then to react and take her to the hospital See, you can't make sense out of craziness. You can't make sense. The world is enslaved to sin. <laughs> Folly has set herself up high. And she's calling out to people, men and women, who are just going about their lives. Look this way. Come this way. Give in to this. Give in to that. Don't take Jesus so serious, for goodness sakes. It's just yet another religion. Have what you want. Do what you want. But be careful. Because <laughs> as we read, verse 16, Come in with me, she urges the simple, to those, look, who lack good judgment. She says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret always tastes better. But verse 18, but little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. Wow. Wow. Oh, it looks good. It tastes good. Oh, it's going to please you. It's going to feel right. But what you don't see is behind her is a bunch of dead corpses. I tell you, there is a war for your soul. And you have to choose which side you're going to be on. The side of light, the side of hope, the side of victory. Jesus himself, who came to this earth to defeat the power of darkness, to demolish folly and bring her down and say, you won't rule over these people. They belong to me. Or you choose folly. You choose to go the way of the ignorant. You choose to go the way of people who have no character and no judgment. People who are in rebellion towards the living God. And you can choose that. But why would you? When no matter what your age is, you're sitting here today and God himself is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. And he's saying to you and to me, come. Come, do not be deceived by her. Do not be deceived by the enemy. <laughs> Listen, if you were presented with what sin actually does when it's presented to you, you wouldn't do it. You would be like, who would be stupid enough 
No. You see, temptation, when it comes to you, it's not in a form of sin. It's temptation. It's once you bite into it that it's a sin. See, temptation, folly is always going to scream at you until you take your last breath. She's always going to scream at you. But that's when you go, no. And that's when by saying no, you're displaying God's incredible love because you're surrendering to him. No greater love is displayed than one laying their life down. I can choose to go that way, but no, no, no. I'm laying my life down because he laid his life down for me. I'm not going that way. I don't need that to be fulfilled. I don't need to release my anger. I don't need to do the things I'm doing just to feel myself. No. <laughs> I'm a dead man walking. Trusting and believing in the one who called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the good news. That's the good news. <clears throat> so I charge you this week. <laughs> go. <laughs> Bear his image. Testify of his goodness. And above all, remain in him. And if you're not a Christian today, if you have never confessed Jesus out of your mouth, if you have never believed in your heart that he is the Son of God, then let today be the day that you do that. And you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. I may not know, understand everything, but I believe. And in that belief, allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. Amen? All right, I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. Taking my sin